This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920-1260 and 1420-AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Hi, it's Casey, shining on today with women finding their voice in the world. Did you know women play professional football in Brooklyn? I just found out. They do. They play professional football in Brooklyn. We'll talk to a former player and franchise owner, Andra Douglas. She was told no her whole life. She showed them. And then she wrote the book, Black and Blue, Love, Sports, and the Art of Empowerment. That's coming up. Patriarchy is not a person, so explains our first guest, Joanne Bagshaw. It's a system, she says, with men in the center. And you may have been the victim of the patriarchy if you were ever treated unfairly in life and work in general. Her workbook can help you sort it out. It will take you through your journey and your experiences. It's called The Feminist Handbook, Practical Tools to Resist Sexism and Dismantle the Patriarchy. Joanne Bagshaw wants to help all women, especially those who have stuffed sexism down. My 20-year experience as a therapist and working a lot with women, a lot with trauma survivors, has taught me that women internalize sexism, and that is a big component in high rates of PTSD and anxiety and depression and even eating disorders that women are diagnosed with. That influenced the writing of this book, and as I say in the book, and sometimes to my clients, it's not you, it's the patriarchy. It's being socialized to think that there is something wrong with you and that you are not as valuable. When you said internalize sexism, it really rang a chord with me. Please explain what you mean by that. I mean by believing and taking in negative messages that we hear over time and what I refer to and others refer to as the drip, drip, drip of sexism. Being told that uh, we have to be pretty, being told to smile, having to be attractive all the time but not too attractive, not being paid uh, equally as men, being constantly afraid and aware of the threat of violence around us. All of that impacts how we feel about ourselves and how we see the world. And so that is internalized sexism, those beliefs that come out in little ways, like my clients coming in saying in a therapy session, what's wrong with me? And me saying, there's nothing wrong with you. You've had extraordinary trauma. Of course you're depressed. Of course you have PTSD. Yeah, I can feel the heads shaking right now with people saying, wow, I wonder if it was that. I wonder that time when I went through that thing at that job. I wonder if I just, why didn't we have a name for it? Well, we did. We've had the name sexism and feminism for a long time. But unfortunately, there's so many myths about feminism that some are accidental. But I also think others are designed to disempower the movement, to dissuade women from identifying with feminism. And ironically, one of the myths about feminism is that only victims call themselves feminists. What the research says is that when women identify as feminists, when we join in and belong to a collective movement that is designed to increase our power, that we actually feel better about ourselves. We have more self-esteem, more self-confidence. So it's the opposite of what the myths say. But unfortunately, the myths are still out there. And that's why 
women still are questioning themselves. But I think since the 2016 election that some of that may be changing. And so this is a great time for a book like this to really galvanize women in the movement and teach about feminism and help women identify as feminists through their own experience. Okay, but why a handbook workbook like this? <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm joining a scouting troop, you know, a very good scout <laughs> troop. But that's what it feels like. <laughs> like if I finish this chapter, I'm going to get a badge for my sash or something. And I mean this in the best possible way. This really feels sure. like an excellent tool. But how, why? I've never seen anything like it. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. There are so many different experiences that people have, and it was super important for this book to be what is called intersectional. I did not want to write this book. I'm a white woman, and I don't want to write this book and put a book out there about feminism that centers white women. So whoever is reading this book, I want them to resonate with feminism through their own experience. The only way to really do that is to give people exercises that draw them in from their own experiences in life. And so that is the value of the the workbook. The reader is able to learn about feminism, learn about their own experiences connected to feminism, and also through the exercises, learn about other people's experiences. For the questions that don't quite fit, and maybe you didn't even think about um, that somebody might feel that way about this situation. Can you give us an activity in the book that everybody, you know, could maybe do at home right now? Well, sure. One is to center yourself in your life, particularly for women where we are socialized from uh, little girls to think about everyone else and put other people first. And one of the exercises in the book has the reader listing all of the people that they feel responsible for. Where do they fall in that list? And so the next part of that exercise is to switch the order. And instead of like a rank order, what if we looked at it as if um, it was more of a diagram where you center yourself, your needs are taken care of. And from that place, you can reach out and take care of others. And that is a major difference for many women who uh, are exhausted all the time from constant chronic caretaking, and they don't prioritize their own self-care. And it's extremely important. And self-care is uh, an act of resistance because it's going against gender norms. Self-care really might be setting boundaries, telling people, no, I'm sorry, I'm not available, or I can't do that. That's really strong self-care. Right. The shame story. What do you mean about rewriting a shame story? Oftentimes, we carry around shame, and in that chapter, we're talking a lot about body image and shame around our body. There's a lot of pressure in this culture for women to look a certain way. That is a standard that hardly anyone can meet, and when we can't, we feel shame about it. So asking uh, readers to go back to when did they start to feel shame? Who contributed? How, um, what was the message? Who benefited? And then rewrite it. Create a new narrative. First of all, you can't release shame unless you acknowledge it. Acknowledging it, seeing who benefits from it, identifying the places that are incorrect or exaggeration, and then rewriting your own narrative about those stories and then living from that place, uh, often more of an adult place because um, you're not looking at the same situation from the, from the eyes of a child when you first probably learned to feel shame about a certain part of yourself. Right. Um, and this is a, a great step towards building shame resiliency, and this exercise came right out of Brene Brown's research. I'm going to need a bigger book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need more pages. The Feminist Handbook, Practical Tools to Resist Sexism and Dismantle the Patriarchy. What is the day going to look like when the patriarchy is dismantled? Everyone has the same access to resources and rights. And how long do you think that's going to take? 
oh, it's probably uh, as slowly as we're moving beyond my lifetime, um, but uh, we can, we have to get moving and uh, fight back and resist the ways that the patriarchy is still, and even more so, um, trying to take our rights away. Um, but again, talking about patriarchy, it is not a man, it is not a person. The patriarchy is a system, a system that centers men and, and is male-dominated system that we all participate in, men and women. Joanne L. Bagshaw, she wrote The Feminist Handbook. She also writes the blog The Third Wave for Psychology Today. Visit joannebagshaw.com for more. Hi, it's Casey. This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, the podcast that is 10 years old, and it's fueled the creation of a foundation called Let It Shine, Inc., where we are gathering love and giving it away. Want to make a contribution? Want to find out more? Visit Casey, K-A-C-E-Y dot co, C-O. Continuing on our feminist theme today, there's a new play at New World Stages in the city, New York City. And every night, Christine Evangelista experiences the gut-wrenching effects of sexism on stage. The play is called Mistrial. This play is about a very provocative, sensitive, and triggering subject for the, I think, alarmingly vast majority of women. It's about sexual consent. It takes place in a legal office, and two co-workers, a man and a woman, um, engage in a, a, a questionable night of, you know, a physical altercation, and um, this gets brought to trial. Pretty heavy stuff, very current, very poignant as to what we're dealing with, I think, in society now, and women in the workplace, and the Me Too movement, and all those things. So that, that's, that's really the reason I wanted to tell this. Of course, you want to tell this story, but is it challenging? It is challenging. It's, it's challenging to play it. I mean, it's for me, every single night, living with this, dealing with the sexual assault and how this woman must feel, I mean, it's, it's brutal. But I think as, a, as an audience member, it's shocking, too. But also, I mean, it, it strikes up a conversation, which I think it, it really needs to. I hope it will impact the way some people think about the issue of consent and the failures of the justice system to protect victims of sexual assault. Right. Who wrote this? His uh, name is Jeff Kirkland. He's a first-time playwright. So oddly enough, he wrote this 17 years ago. He wrote it 17 years ago, and it's just, I mean, more current now than it's ever been. And that's why New World decided to put it up, and there's a really great big production team behind it because of, like, the, I think the currency of, like, just what it's saying. But I think it's fascinating that he wrote it so long ago. That is amazing. So I'm guessing, not having seen the play yet, I'm guessing there's a lot of gray area here, or, or is it just you know, the patriarchy? It's a very good question. I personally have hated the term gray. I hate the term gray, whether as a woman speaking or through my character's voice. I just, I think no means no. And I think the problem that my character faces is not that. I mean, there's no doubt that this happens. There is no gray area. The problem lies with the failures of the justice system, right? The way it works now is like, if you're probably guilty, you're innocent. And that's just not... That's just, that just can't work. You know, we've seen the news, we've seen Kavanaugh, we've seen uh, Harvey Weinstein, we've seen how this all plays out in the court of public opinion. But we haven't really seen this put to trial. And I think through this play, Mistrial, you'll see just how difficult it is to do and, and the flaws with the justice system to protect victims. Let me say this. We're talking to Christine Evangelista. We're talking about the play Mistrial, which you can see in the city right now. You know, we say no means no. 
but for a long, long time, no didn't mean no. Right. There's a line that I have in the play where no means no except in frat boy fantasies. Right. And, like, there's this whole... I mean, look, it's the holidays, right? Think about the song, Baby, It's Cold Outside. Right. <laughs> like, if you dissect that song, which was a hugely still popular hit, I mean, she's saying no throughout the song, and he still progresses. Right. So there's, like, this whole, you know, push and pull thing here that we've been, you know, for women dealing with for so long. And I think now we're kind of like, our voices are being heard differently. And in the song, you know, and let's just stick with the song, she's saying (sighs) no in a flirty kind of maybe way. Maybe. Right. Maybe. Maybe not. I mean... Women are, were often very polite, yeah. you know? They were very polite then, and they were, you know, speak and spoken to sort of thing, and they had a different demeanor than we do now. And that's an old song. It's a very old song in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways. That's true. In a lot of ways, it's an old song. But this story has uh, been traveling through time with us, and I hope one day, you know, our grandchildren will look back on it and say, wow, I can't believe you lived in that world. Yeah, it's interesting, right? It's interesting to think, you know, 40, 50 years from now, what we're going to look back and think, like, what were we doing? What were we doing? We were not evolved. (laughs) <laughs> we were not involved. Day by day, my friend. Day, day by, by day. day. But this is a step in the right direction. Mistrial with Christine Evangelista. You are doing a great work. Where can people go to get tickets? It's at New World Stages. The play is called Mistrial at New World Stages in New York City. Go see it. And if you'd like a pair of tickets or a copy of the book we spoke about earlier, The Feminist Handbook, email me from the website casey.co. Okay, let's take a break with natural healer Steve Quinn and this week's meditation. This meditation is about order and form and is designed to cause stability in the listener participant. Think for a moment about order, about the vast order you see in all creation. Think about the repetition of form that you see in everything. Think of a tree, an oak tree, that goes to seed and what comes out is another oak tree. Think of galaxies, revolving eternally. Think of the sun and the planet and their perpetual dance. The dawn, the sunrise, high noon, dusk, nighttime, again and again. It's been there for your entire life. It was there for eons before you and it will be there for eons after you. Now think of the stability in your own body. Try to feel it. Feel your heart. Feel your lungs. The air has always been there for you to breathe. Now one thing about form is that behind form is power. They discovered this by splitting the atom and releasing a massive charge. When you go the other way, you get massive charge condensing into form. Now that charge, that unseen electromagnetic power, that force, carries intelligence, carries purpose, and it creates the exact design that is needed for that unseen power to do what it's meant to do in the seen worlds. Now, it is the same with you. Feel for a moment the great fortress of stability that you live inside of. Feel your bones, your flesh, your brain. You have two arms and legs. Every morning, you wake up and they're still there. This simple adding up should produce in you a great stability. Feel this stability. Call this over. Anytime you need, 
and it will, over time, build in you great stability. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for shining on today. That's natural healer Steve Quinn dropping in with a little meditation to get our hearts and minds aligned and strong. Steve does a lot of energy work helping people with addictions. Find out more at quitwithquinn.com. Our next guest, Andra Douglas, has lived a life. College scholar and athlete out of Florida, she moved to New York to pursue her dream of playing football. And she played, she even owned a team, and now she's written a novel based on her life called Black and Blue, Love, Sports, and the Art of Empowerment. Andra Douglas. I played for five years, and then I owned the team for 20. The book has come out, and it's all about my story growing up as a, a, a girl and being told no, as most women were told no about one thing or another they wanted to do in their lives. I moved to New York City from a small town in Florida and ended up owning this women's pro football team and playing pro football, and um, it tells all about our quest for the national championship, which we win in 2002. Why a novel, Andra? Well, um, it's based on a true story, so a lot of my characters are composite. The timeline is not exact. That's why it's a novel. Well, congratulations. Has anyone bought the rights to make this a movie yet? No, but it would be the most perfect movie. It's a modern-day league of their own, and it's all about the struggles and the triumphs. Football is the vehicle, but in truth, it's it's the voice of, uh, like I said, any woman who's ever been told no. And where is the world of women and football today? Well, it's really quite popular. It's this whole underground movement. Because we don't get a lot of press, there's not a lot of people that know about it, but there's over 100 teams in our country, and it's expanding into Europe at a, um, a fast rate, too. There's quite a few participants. Wow. Now, the, I, I'm a New Yorker. Uh, forgive me for never knowing about the New York Sharks. Where did you play? <laughs> well, first of all, that's all right, Casey, because you and, and 8 million other New Yorkers are in the same boat, unfortunately. Um, we played at a play at Aviator Sports Complex, which is in Brooklyn. You can check out our website, which is nysharksfootball.com. Um, last year, I did sell the franchise. After 20 years, it was just time for me to go on to other things. They're now called the New York Wolves. The New you know, York, did you say New York Wolves? Wolves, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, because Sharks wasn't fierce enough, but I guess we have wolves. We have more wolves in New York than we have sharks. Well, I guess. I don't know. I, now, now, Jaws was inspired after catching a great white off the tip of Montauk. You know, so. that is true. That is true. Yeah. That is true. So, so I think it's, it might be pretty accurate. Yeah, it may be. All right, so you had a wonderful career, both playing and owning the team. Tell me, who follows women, women's football? Do you get, what's, what's your general audience composite look like? We get a lot of diehard football players. You know, the NFL stops in January, February, so we get a lot of diehard football players that want more football all year round. I would say a, a composite would be, 15 to 40. It's pretty broad. Um, a lot of it are family and friends because those are the ones who have heard about us. Mostly uh, athletic women, um, but a lot of people who just had dreams. There are a lot of people who support just because they think it's just the coolest thing that women are getting to finally, you know, play a sport that's been deemed men only. Right. It's growing. I'm guessing. Growing. I'm guessing what would turn all this around is a big corporate sponsor. You are so right, Casey. Um, a good television contract. It's good football. You know, not all the games. I'll be honest. There are teams that are, you know, not as strong as others. But when the when a couple of good teams 
play the game, it is good football. Right. And that's what ought to be on television. I think we've garnered a lot more fans. Black and Blue, the story of a young woman driven by a passion to play football. How much of this novel is you? A hundred percent. You know, like I said, it's a lot of composite characters and, and the timeline isn't exactly accurate, but it's it's based on a true story. It's my heart. My team has been my heart for 20 years and it's, I think it sums it up fairly well. Now you need to go out and read this story and share this story with young women all over the world. Is that your plan? I would love to. That's Andrea Douglas. Her book is called Black and Blue, Love, Sports, and the Art of Empowerment. Invite her to come speak to the young women in your world. This ceiling-smashing athlete is also an artist. AndraDouglasArt.com Okay, my sweet feminists, before we lock ourselves up in our homes for the winter here in the Northeast, let's do a little maintenance check. Tommy Weber is here, representing his family business. My father started uh, T. Weber Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning and Electric 30 years ago. I entered the business when I was around 11 years old and continued to grow in the business, learn the business. And in 2009, I joined the business full-time, been working here ever since. So it's been a great 30-year run at T. Weber. All right, let me ask you this, Tommy. We are all coming inside now for the winter. We are going to snuggle in and close our doors and windows as homeowners or even renters what should we be thinking about in terms of dangerous things inside the home first and foremost have the heating system tuned up, checked out to make sure that it's operating safely, that it's venting properly, meaning like the exhaust gases are exiting the home. Um, There's not a blocked chimney. There's not an obstructed vent pipe that removes those carbon monoxide gases from the heating system and from your home. So having a a system check, a tune-up performed by a professional will give you the peace of mind that, you know, you're operating safely to make sure you know, that no carbon monoxide gases are are present. So that's one of the number one concerns when you're turning your heating system on. And we're going to be at the fireplace and everything else trying to keep warm too. What about our water? We turn on the faucet and we drink from the faucet. How can we be sure that, that our water is safe and clean? You can have your water tested. You could bring it to a lab to, if you really want the peace of mind to know that it's safe and that what you're drinking isn't going to make you sick. And in the Hudson Valley, there's either on our town water supply or a city water supply, meaning that the municipality is responsible for delivering you the water. But a lot of homes also have their own well pumps on on the property, and there's nobody checking that and making sure your drinking water is safe. So if you're on a, a, a city water supply, typically the municipalities are responsible for providing you with clean water for drinking, showering, bathing, the chlorine itself protects the water so it can be delivered. Now, if you're on a well water system and you have your own well pump, it's really something that you're going to want to monitor, making sure no rodents can get into the well water supply, um, no insects or bugs can get in there. And that's usually done if you look outside at where your well comes out of the ground and there's a well cap on there. You want to make sure that's a watertight well cap. So that means no critters or bugs can crawl in there and now you have a contaminated water supply. So we really recommend calling a professional in to check out a well pump system if anybody has concerns about their water quality from their well pump. Anything else we should do while we're inside this winter? Keep an eye on on your 
plumbing and heating system and and your electrical system. If you notice anything acting up, it's always better to be safe than sorry. You, you know, call a professional, have it looked at to make sure it doesn't turn into something bigger or, or worse. And just as a safeguard, making sure your smoke and CO detectors have fresh batteries or if they're older than five years old, get new ones. It's better to be safe than sorry. Check your water, check your heater, your carbon monoxide and smoke alarms and enjoy your Hudson Valley winter. Thanks for shining on today. Check kc.co for Let It Shine fundraisers. Find out how you can get involved. Find out about upcoming seminars and retreats. Let's get together. Our thought for the day is for Madeleine Albright, the first female Secretary of State, who said, It took me quite a long time to develop a voice, and now that I have it, I'm not going to remain silent. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.